The views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute legal advice. A podcast is not a substitute for retaining a competent, licensed attorney to advise you on your specific legal situation. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. It is time for Break the Business, where we empower any creators and have some fun along the way. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. Let me just get this out of the way on the front end, because I know one of the co-hosts or producers or somebody is going to bring this up. So let me just inoculate against this on the front end, okay? As we record this on September 21st, on a Wednesday, it's my birthday, all right? There it is, Okay. It's my birthday, and I've mentioned it. It's the 37th birthday. It's a completely, fundamentally meaningless birthday, but I'm bringing it up on the front end so that we don't have to make hay of it. Um, Zach Sloan, co-host, joining us. Hey, how's it going, Zach? Uh, I don't think this is a meaningless birthday at all because it's your birthday, Ryan. (laughs) Oh, no. Wait, wait. This is my fault. Sorry. So hang on. This is worth mentioning. All right. Okay. As I said that, Mm -hmm. my wife just brought this birthday cupcake (laughs) in. She didn't want to come on camera, but she like walked in as we started the show. Oh, what the? Oh, what the hell is this? (laughs) Surprise! Happy birthday. Katie Zagardi and Elisa Rothtock are here. All your co-hosts. So I think since we have everybody here, we should sing happy birthday. (laughs) Okay, ready? One, two, three. Happy birthday birthday to you. Lovely sound moving. (laughs) Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Ryan. Corella hosts the Break the Business podcast. Happy Happy birthday to you. I love and hate all of you. Thank you. Are you one? Are you two? Are you three? Oh man, we're not. He already admitted to his age. He was like, I'm 37. I I have given this some thought and like, I, I, I I never want to crap on anybody who wants to like acknowledge and celebrate their birthdays. However, once you are in your Mm thirties, after you're 30, any prime number birthday, meaningless. (laughs) Like, oh, I'm 53 today. Whatever. Go to work. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, a, like it's just and um, it's your first birthday as a father. There you go. Look, if anyone wants to celebrate like my kid's birthday in July, then I'm all for it. The only thing I can appreciate on a birthday, and even if it's the 37th, this random stupid prime number birthday, is my favorite birthday tradition that I'm sure we all experience because we're all from like that millennial generation that still has Facebook profiles. 
is when you get the Facebook happy birthday uh, like display <laughs> on your wall. Because the people who wish you happy birthday on Facebook, it is the perfect combination of the most treasured people in your life and people where you go, who the hell is that? It's always your dear grandmother, the best man at your wedding, and that guy you did a group project with in your intro to management class 17 years ago and have not spoken to since. But and he wants I to wish that. you a happy birthday. Yes. Right. I was saying on our fun facts for our audience that, uh, you know, before June 30th, 2016 we could not have sung that song for you on the air on radio without paying a lot of money i'm just gonna eat this cupcake on the air that's fine i can have that look i made a matching one so i didn't get jealous so okay i did not (laughs) i I get to eat birthday cake too so how much of this because like i know zach sloan is our co-host this week so he's you know he's here and that's you know what what's supposed to be like how much of like Katie Zaccardi being here, Elisa Rockdock. Is that all you, producer Lauren? And and like the cupcake as well, like cheating popping in for that. Like Oh yeah, there's more for your wife and your mother in law in the kitchen too. Just Well, that's great. I would like to point out that <laughs> I'm completely Laura, surprised. Lauren was kind enough to my idea was is that your wife would come on camera and smash the cupcake in your face. Um, <laughs> that would have been good. That would have been good. I Lauren, said I would have pulled that off. But I don't know if Q would have come in to do that. <laughs> Ryan, my question for you is how does it feel being born on the most famous night of September? Oh. Do you remember it? You remember? <laughs> the 21st night of September, Ryan. You're not going to believe this, Katie. You're the first person ever, all time, to ever make that connection. Okay, I've, you know I've never heard that before. Not I'll, once. Can you I'll believe be it? With you. My sister's birthday is also today. And she has no chill. So she, you know, we milk it. Like we blast the song. We have a dance party. Like (laughs) we do it up. Yeah. As a fellow September 21st birthday, like I want to bring you in on that because you deserve it. I appreciate it. And I do enjoy the reference uh, every time. Um, So like what happens here? Am I like, are we doing show? Is everybody staying? Do you all have like things to do? Because I have like a show sheet and stuff to talk about. But like, you know, I don't know what the plan is. I was just going to hijack the first segment. I mean, I figure we still have to respect our guest who is awesome, by the way. Uh, And also, I thought we were all quitting. And this is how we were going to tell you. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This is actually an intervention where you tell me to stop podcasting. (laughs) (laughs) Ryan, it's been five years. You're not Joe Rogan yet. <laughs> Time to hang it up. You're 37 years old. For God's sake, you have a baby. <laughs> we all came on to quit together. I like it. <laughs> Elisa is muted. Why can't I hear? Like she's she's making like a she's lovely making face. Points, she does. I was like, good point. Did we point. lose sound on Elisa? That's lovely. But we can't hear her. We're just going to look at her beautiful face. Uh. Now. No. The radio audience can't hear see, you, can't see um, you, just us. So She's probably saying all this profound stuff and none of it's coming. Through. I know. So, Ryan, why don't you tell everybody about the guest we have coming in the yes. next segment? Excited for our guest in the next segment. Dr. Raina Murnak is joining us. She is an um, associate professor at the University of Miami School of Music. Go Canes. Uh, expert in positive psychology for musicians. Excited to talk to her about her research. She's also a terrific musician in her own right. She is a singer. She plays in bands, uh, has helped lots of other 
amazing uh, contemporary singers at the University of Miami find their voices. And so, so many great topics to talk to her about, but I'm interested in the psychology side of things. But Zach, I know that uh, whenever we have a guest on who does anything in music, you are always just like so big on just stalking every aspect of their music career and wanting to learn everything about their album because you're just such an audiophile. Like, do you do you like what you see so far with Raina? Because honestly, I don't know much of her outside of her academic uh, work. I, you know, Raina, the musician, I'm not as familiar with. So from, eating, she looks like eating on cameras when we're talking about her band or her project, uh, The Next Soon, which I think is actually a really cool name, very ethereal, like I call it space pop. I don't know how else to describe it. It's fantastic. The lyric video for Breathing Space is actually really, really cool. Highly recommend. So go check those out. Thoroughly enjoy it. Also, looks like she's done a bit of podcasting in her day as well. So pretty solid. Something else that you two have in common besides the University of Miami thing. And also, it appears, and this is where this is my deep cuts in Facebook stalking or Instagram stalking. <laughs> recently went to an Elton John concert. Looked like she had a great time. So <laughs> slamming. Jack, we should do that as like a, re a recurring segment on Break the Business, where just uh, whatever ra whatever um, Zach can research in the 15 minutes before the show, and like it could just be like you know whatever their last album was, but also like oh I saw on Instagram that they saw the Backstreet Boys in concert. They looked like they had a good time. She was at her nephew's birthday party. Yeah. It was adorable. She had great seats to see Elton John, and I'm jealous because when I saw Elton John, I was very far away. Oh my god. Um, we just wanted to notice that uh, one of our listeners, Ralph, wants to wish you a happy birthday as well, Ryan. Oh, thank you very much, Ralph. This is unexpected. I feel, even though I, I still stand by my assertion that this birthday could not be more meaningless. What I, I was going to say. feel very loved and appreciated. Oh, oh wait, we've back. got Elisa now. We caught her audio back. Is that yeah, you yeah. better not be smart to the 37th birthday because since... The seventh slash eighth grade, you have held the fact that you are three months older than me. Yeah. Over my head. Three <laughs> months and six days. Mm. And so and I always test drive each birthday for you. I am going to talk about my 37th birthday. Do not take this away from me. And do not let Evan hear that 37 is a meaningless birthday. Dang it. <laughs> I'm milking it. Uh, yeah. I, I reiterate that you can't call it a meaningless birthday when it is your first birthday as a father. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to yeah. go back and tell Nathan you thought it was just a meaningless oh. birthday. That's true. I and mean, this is this is on the internet. It exists forever. <laughs> well, yeah, clearly... so what he's saying is he, he lost his self when he had a baby, and now he's like, my birthday, whatever. That doesn't count anymore. Yes. He clearly thought his father's birthday was so important <laughs> and meaningful, and that's why he thought today was a good day to throw up on his dad while he was oh, feeding. He gave you a present. That was a gift. That's kind. That's that a was gift. a gift for you, Father. Yep. Well, what else is he going to do? He doesn't have a job. How else is he supposed to get you a gift? <laughs> he made that himself. <laughs> All right. You know what? Now I feel like an a-hole. You're absolutely right. Mission accomplished. Um, uh, well, yeah, I, I, I don't know what to do here. Like, we got, you know, like, Red is coming a little bit later, and it feels stupid to go from this really heartfelt gesture on the part of all four of you, which has really warmed my heart, to being like, oh, let's talk about the bullshit that Twitch did this week. And well, <laughs> we could do that. We I could mean, go back in time and talk about happy birthday. Oh, the happy birthday copyright? Yeah. That's a big deal. Did you see what they did after the fact? 
what, what the same attorneys went and uh, got at least the first version of um, "We Shall Overcome" is now in the public domain thanks to them. Hmm. Well, that's good. I mean, if I had to pick one, I'd rather have "We Shall Overcome." Probably. Well, the third one that they went after was um, uh, oh, what was it? Uh, this land is your land. This land is your land. And I can't remember who the copyright holders are of that, but they're brilliant. So the two suits that have come after them, you can only make uh, a claim if you have, if you can show a loss, right? Like you can't just be like, I think this is wrong and I'm gonna take you to court. Like you have to have a clause, right? So the two cases that came up to try to get the rights or to claim that they shouldn't be allowed to have the rights to this land is our land they settle out immediately like they they put something into paperwork and they're like you have the right to use this song royalty free for the rest of eternity and they just shut them up so they can't have a claim to lose it which i thought was an interesting move yeah Fun legal look, moves. Look at you, producer Lauren, copyright scholar. I didn't know any of that. <laughs> this is what happens this is supposed when to be you what I do for a living. <laughs> look, this is what happens when you research happy birthday on an entertainment law show. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I mean, um, I can do the like PR friendly version of that. The 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 safer radio version of the rant I sent you via text. No, I, <laughs> I heard about this rant. I, I do want to I do want to like hate on Twitch because in addition to September twenty first being the meaningless birthday of your uh, favorite podcast host, the best day was, of September and a great birthday for Ryan. There you go. <laughs> it was also the day that Twitch made an announcement that was met with a great deal of consternation. From streamers everywhere. Um, basically, they had announced that they were going to reduce their payout rate for their select partner premium level streamers from a 70-30 split in the, in the streamer's favor to a 50-50 split, which is the same uh, payout that they give all the, you know, us, us uh, you know. Affiliates. Uh, yeah, affiliate level streamers on the platform and it's just crazy how it came together because all the streamers have been pestering twitch saying hey it's not fair that these premium level streamers are getting 70 percent and we're only getting 50 percent we want the same thing they're getting and twitch said you're absolutely Bet. right we hear you everybody's getting 50 percent now and we're like that's not what we meant now Oh, Elisa, as our, as our resident Twitch streamer here, because we're who just sort of like... Who has not streamed in like a week and a half. Who has not streamed in a week and a half, but between all of us, you are basically like the ninja of the group in terms oh, of God, like no. stream Absolutely. volume. No, yeah, no, not no, him. no, 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 un, no. Un, unlike ninja, I will actually uh, stream with multiple genders and have that not threatened by, uh, by marriage. So never I mind. Know. There um... you go. Fair enough. Now, <laughs> so... Yeah, so you are you are like the 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 closest thing we have to like a you know, Twitch partner here in the group, and I know you must have read the announcement where they explained why they have to do this. And the part of it that blew my mind was Twitch, owned by Amazon, the largest, most powerful corporate behemoth. Every you know, giving basically is the store for everybody in the world, putting all the e-commerce out of business. Uh, you know, Jeff Bezos, a trillionaire in this announcement is basically pleading poverty. They yeah. said in this announcement, we can't give all the streamers a 70-30 rate, even though that's what YouTube does, because we can't afford it. I'm going to quote here from their letter. 
Delivering high-definition, low-latency, always-available live video to nearly every corner of the world is expensive. Using the published rates from Amazon Web Services Interactive Video Service, which is essentially Twitch video, live video costs for a 100 concurrently connected user streamer who streams 200 hours a month are more than $1,000 per month. I don't know if that's true, and I don't know what which, those numbers mean. Which is mean. more than 40. That's that's someone streaming, I think, eight hours a day at least for like, like, like doing the math. They're like, nobody does this. Yeah. Wait, 200 no. hours a month? So 50 <laughs> hours a week. Yeah, that's yeah, like... Exactly. like, like yeah. We don't typically talk about this because, frankly, you shouldn't have to think about it. And we hope you don't think about it because if you did, you'd realize how ridiculous that number we gave you is and how it's completely untethered to reality. We'd rather you focus on doing what you do best. So to fully answer the question of why not 7030... Uh, sorry, but to fully answer the question of why not 7030, ignoring the high cost of delivering the Twitch service would have meant giving you an incomplete answer. How can Twitch owned by Amazon that just paid, I think I measured it here, a gadrillion dollars to get the Thursday night NFL football game. Possibly tell that you cannot pay a affiliate level Twitch streamer who's, you know, maybe making a couple hundred bucks a month on the platform if they're oh. lucky, 70% instead of 50%. And Lisa, I... I know you've been following like the bloodbath that Twitch is getting on Twitter right now. A lot of streamers are mad. Yeah. Yes. Sorry, my cat just had uh, my 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 cat was just saying hell yeah. Um, I I hope I didn't just roll over your tail, baby. It's okay. Um, the it's it's frustrating as as somebody and 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 another recent thing that they did is that they started rolling out um a they they announced that they were lowering the payout threshold to 50 bucks in select countries of course not including the US for now um and who knows when that's when that's actually going to happen but between um basically cutting the revenue like like we thought like hey um clearly this means you can redistribute your wealth right <laughs> right um, they're, they're already taking 50, 50 from us. Then they're also pushing, um, they're pushing really heavily and encouraging through the use of like, you know, set, like pushing emails to us about, um, playing ads and, um, setting your ads to a schedule throughout your stream or giving people an opportunity to turn off pre-roll ads or whatever. If you play a certain amount of ads, during your show so basically what ends up happening is because of this advent of ad revenue pre-roll ads etc you get a user experience where i am flip flipping channels essentially trying to find out who's live and what they're showing but everybody's running the same commercial break every time i click a new window oh, yeah. unless i'm subscribed whatever but it kills discoverability for a lot of folks because depending on how long that pre-roll ad break is anywhere from 30 to 90 seconds, that's, that's a long time. Um, and then especially when you kind of throw in the idea of like music streamers, yes, you can, you know, some popular streamers have planned a like top of the hour ad break. Well, they'll just take a three minute break of ads and then bail kind of thing. But this program speaks very specifically a lot of times to musicians and music creators the experience that i have had constantly of being mid song <laughs> right at the final chorus and then someone gets hit with an ad and then i'll see it in the chat like ah 
oh that ad didn't hit at a good time like oh man i can't believe i missed like this part of the song or whatever it's it's really annoying but between limited payouts and then when you sign these agreements oftentimes you are not allowed to simulcast to any other place on the internet now they recently rolled that back a little bit where they're allowing folks to simulcast to um, places like TikTok, um, but they're not allowing folks to do multi-stream, say on like a Twitch or a YouTube where it's the sort of kind of same similar live yeah. video platform. It's essentially like, oh, cool. I can like prop up my phone and maybe, you know, do something with, with TikTok. Well, it's but, one of the reasons why we didn't activate our affiliate status here at Break the Business, because we, we're trying to just get it in front of as many eyeballs as possible. So we want to be on YouTube and Facebook and everything else. And we can't do that if we take affiliate status. <laughs> and granted, we're also missing out on the, you know, $3 of revenue we're going to get every month. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I'm looking at my payout threshold and it's, and it's set at a hundred bucks and I don't get paid out until I hit a hundred bucks net 15. And who knows, depending on how large or small of an audience you have, how long that's going to take if they're taking 50, 50 every time someone subs. Um, and now it is September. Your subscriptions are like 20 to 30% off depending on how long you buy them. But like, it's, it's annoying that, you know, they're, they're also taking away the host feature, um, which I thought was a really great way of sort of building a community and like bringing other streamers and making sure that they are also on, even while we're offline, they are privileging and between, you know, muting the VODs and doing like DMCA stuff, et cetera, which, Hey, safe Harbor, get it. But it's affecting folks that, that use licensed music, play music, especially hard when uh, we can't build a community around other streamers when we're not live. Our VODs get nuked from orbit or else we risk uh, copyright strikes in our account getting taken down, period. Can't diversify our portfolio vis-a-vis YouTube or any other streaming platforms. Um and so it's like these little it's 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 almost like death by a thousand paper cuts. And if they want folks to be exclusive, you got to pay exclusive prices, baby. Yeah, pay exclusive prices, baby. Um, and and this, I think, is one more show of literally like, I don't know how many times you have said this, how, how many guests have said this on this show. No corporation cares about you. As a creator, they only care about what you can deliver them vis-a-vis bottom line. Do not put your eggs in one corporate basket. They are a tech company like every other tech company. And they are like, you know, and now that they're owned by a like public company, i.e. Amazon, they have basically shareholders to answer to, not us not us so diversify your platforms make sure that you are taking advantage and and fulfilling your niche and adapting it to whatever platforms you are using but use them multiple and encourage direct support through things like Bandcamp, patreon etc even just like paypal tips electronic busking folks this is this is this is what we're doing um so diversify your platforms do not put all your eggs in one basket because they are one policy decision in favor of their shareholders away from taking away your livelihood so you know fyi 
I have heard that sentiment from a lot of Twitch creators amid this announcement where they're saying, look, we have our own like separate tip jar platform that you can, you know, if you just want to give us money, don't give it to us. Like, yeah, you know, if you if you tip us through Twitch, you know, you'll get your cute little emotes or whatever. But Twitch is siphoning a great deal of that money. If you want to be able to put money directly into our pocket, use this other platform that we use, you know, Venmo type thing. And, you know, that makes a lot of sense. Here's the dimension of it that I'd like. I'd like to dust off this old chestnut again from that I was bringing up like a year ago. I'd like to see this be one of those things that inspires a movement for streamers to unionize. Hey! And unionizing is tricky for streamers because there is a strong legal argument that antitrust law would prevent streamers from collectivizing against a platform like Twitch because, you know, remember, employees, when employees like working at a factory, like, you know, an Amazon factory, for example, in light of recent news, when they get together, um, they can essentially monopolize their labor force because federal labor law explicitly carves out those kind of employees from, you know, antitrust law. We say that's, yeah, that's a monopoly, but it's a monopoly we allow because we want workers to have equal power at the bargaining table. There's a strong legal argument that if Amazon or sorry, Twitch streamers tried to do something similar. There may be a because it's basically a bunch of separate companies trying to, you know, monopolize against you know another company like the law doesn't love that. But there is some federal legislation that gets kicked around every year. I believe the most recent version of it was called the PRO Act that would specifically allow this kind of unionization, collective bargaining against tech music tech platforms like your Spotify's and your Twitches and things like that. And it's high time for it because in the 21st century, you streamers are basically modern day employees. Like before the advent of like, you know, individual streamers, Amazon would be employing all of these people as employees for their platform, which means there'd be salaries, which means there'd be stock options. So like when Amazon was sold to or when Twitch was sold to Amazon for a billion dollars, if everybody was an employee, there would have been like a quarter of that set aside as stock options for all the employees that made Twitch a billion dollar entity to sell to Amazon, but they didn't get any of that because they weren't employees. They were contractors. That's the kind of stuff you can get when there's collective bargaining. I'd love to see that movement start to happen. It's, it's going to be wild um, because there are so many subcultures and subsets of Twitch um, from the like top 1%, which even before this, that there was a whole thing about gambling on Twitch that, that they had to deal with like not even 48 to 72 hours ago. Uh, so Twitch has had their feet to the fire a while, but like that issue with like the gambling streamers and like the top 1%, then you have folks that are um, calling for Twitch to, to be a safer space and do more work towards protecting marginalized creators. Then you have the folks that are complaining about, um, unequal treatment of like terms of service and then who gets nailed and who doesn't and all that stuff. And music fans and video game fans are the same. You will never get them to agree on anything and they will get <laughs> mad. There, there, there are so many corners of the internet. And also the, the, the problem is, is that a lot of these are younger folks, um, 
who have seen the sort of like you know the 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 kind of big shiny of like a ninja and like folks that get these big payouts and like you know they 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 sit in their room for 48 hours at a time and just rake in the money that's not how it works and it's very exploitative and and they tend to exploit things like well if you really cared about this or if you're like really passionate about this you know then you would work on this like 24 7 and there are a lot of folks who have chugged that kool-aid because they've had to grind it out streaming eight hours a day to get where they are um and who knows if they would be willing to you know kind of help the little guy you know help help this mass of affiliates and and smaller streamers and smaller partners if they already got like a fat check and they're and they're chill with their with their endorsement deals and stuff you know what i mean so it's it's going to be hard to get a culture like that to agree because there are so many different subcultures within Twitch, each within each with their own figureheads that that have their own ideas about what makes Twitch great and how to fix it. So it's going to be difficult, but the conversations are happening. And that's yeah, that's I mean, ultimately, that's what we can start with. But hopefully the conversations lead to all these different kind of categories, groups, demographics of streamers realizing that what they have in common in terms of their interests are a lot stronger than the things that divide them, whether it's demographics, whether it's the way that they stream, whether it is differing levels of delusion about, I don't want to make things equal because I think I can be the next Pokimane when really that's a lottery ticket. You know, it's, you know, you, you have about as much chance of being that level of streamer as you would have 30 years ago being the next Madonna. Yep. It's the same it's the same kind of situation. And it in fact, I think in a way it's almost more um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like it's it's easier to get sucked into it in modern yep. days, right? Because when you see the big time streamer, they're in their bedroom. Yeah. They're wearing clothes just like you. And so you can think, oh, I can do that. I can uh-huh. be that person. And so, you know, it's easier to think that I'm just, you know, if I just stream a little more, if I just put in a little more hours, if I just put a little more into my content, I can break through and be this top 1% of the top 1% streamers. When realistically, that level of success as a Twitch streamer is so unlikely, it's basically a 0% chance. And it's become even more of a 0% chance because Twitch is saturated now. Maybe you had a shot when it, before it was sold to Amazon and there was some new frontier that you could carve out for yourself, but the land's been tilled now. <laughs> it's, it's, it's even harder to find a niche and like, it's, it's even harder to get yourself discovered through all of, you know, because of all of the reasons that, that I mentioned, uh, before, um, but I think what what this is, and I think the amount of people that are speaking up against it on my timeline, I think, and, and even folks that are like, I'm seeing like industry professionals that like work in video games and like work for other platforms, like verified checkmark accounts that, you know, work in marketing and comms, you know, are, are speaking publicly um, about this sort of thing. So we might see a bit of a sea change happening because more folks are kind of pointing it out like, hey, you know, if, if if you're dropping this news at 3 a.m., it's probably not good, <laughs> which they did. Um, like, I, I think, however, 
All it's going to take is one more GTA 6 leak, and then that's going to be old news, and we were going to completely have forgotten that happened. So, like, who knows? Who knows? I mean, look, I was this close to, to like, ignoring this story because I was so excited that there was a new secret, there was a new Monkey Island game that came oh, out. Yeah. What? Oh, yeah, it's really, I, I hear it's really good. It's getting I, a really good reception. I, I've already started playing it, and I dig it. So can I can I infer from your excitement, Zach, that you are something of a Monkey Island fan? Holy crap, dude. It, it it's 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 the best like i i mean i love those like point and click adventure games i once streamed myself playing like the 1991 classic loom on this channel just because i missed it so much but i i love monkey island and yeah they for those of you who enjoyed that franchise who love the point and click adventure games that lucas arts brought us and you know made us smile when we were uh just you know young young millennials uh, there is a new one. They finally made a sequel after, God, it's probably been 20 years. Yes, and at least. it is really, really fun. And I was all ready to talk about that. I got so excited by that shiny <laughs> object uh, that you know, of, a, of a simple point-and-click adventure video game that I almost you know, didn't give this uh, topic of a bunch of Twitch streamers getting screwed uh, enough attention. And no. that's what happens when we bring Elisa Rock Talk in. I yes. know. Yes. I, 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 you weren't I even supposed to be here room. today. I suck the air out of the room. I light up a room and then leave. She found out you were talking about Twitch. Like you thought she came in for your birthday, but she yeah. was like, whoa, 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 Twitch. I'm Wait, in. hold on a second. I got, I got something to say. <laughs> <laughs> she has a kazoo in her she hand. She does have a kazoo. I thought that was There's a bad a, first. She just threatened you with a kazoo. Look. <laughs> I know how to use this. Do I? Yeah. Do I? Um, blowing one in. So, all right. So we did get that. We did get in the Twitch story after doing way too much navel gazing about my Shenans. birthday. And but we're gonna get things back on track. We're gonna take a quick break. Excited as all get out to talk to Dr. Raina Murnak in the next segment. She's great, and you're gonna want to stick around for it. Don't go anywhere. Keep watching. Break the business. Happy birthday, bye. Ryan Corella here. I hope you're enjoying the show, and I hope that you're getting a lot out of it. I do what I do because I care about creators like you. A lot. I've dedicated my career to helping creative professionals, entrepreneurs, and organizations move forward. I do it by hosting this program, and I'm also proud to do it in my legal practice. If you're a creative professional looking for solutions-oriented legal services to help you further your goals, I'd love to help. My firm RKPA does contracts, commercial law, copyright, trademark, and more. Visit rkpalaw.com to learn more. That's rkpalaw.com. Ryan A. Corella, PA, Miami, Florida. Streaming services for Break the Business provided by L.E.K. Entertainment. L.E.K. Entertainment is a full-service entertainment company offering everything from consultations to full-scale events and productions, including audio and video productions, voiceovers, staged theatrical productions, script and music development, and streaming services. For more information, visit lekentertainment.com. L.E.K. Entertainment wants to help you bring your story to life. Thanks for supporting Break the Business. If you have a question or topic that you want us to discuss, email us at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. 
You can follow the host, that's me, on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R, and you can follow the show at The BTV Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook, and on all major podcast platforms. And now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Break the Business, everybody. You can check us out on all major podcast platforms, on Twitch, interestingly enough, as well as YouTube and Facebook and LinkedIn and Sirius XM 145. Much love to the good people at Slam Radio for giving us a satellite radio home. Ryan Carella here with Zach Sloan. Zach, I just saw this on Twitter from at Dean PC Mad wrote the creator splits on other platforms. So as we noted in the first segment, Twitch pays out 50-50. YouTube pays out 70%. Fan House, 90%. Fans only, 80%. Only fans, 80%. Patreon, 88 to 95%. Buy Me a Coffee, 95%. Ko-Fi, between 95 and 100%. So the wealthiest of all of those platforms is giving you the least impressive payout. Many of those platforms have a video element, so I don't know where they're going with this. I don't know what they're saying. I'm just saying if when OnlyFans makes you look bad, you've got a problem. <laughs> when OnlyFans is your bastion of integrity, you might need to take a look at your business model. Let's go ahead and bring out our guest this week. She is a singer, musician, and assistant professor and director of contemporary voice and performance artistry at the Frost School of Music at the University of Miami. Our guest is currently co-writing a book on positive psychology for music professionals, and you can find out more about her work by visiting www.reinamurnak.com. We are happy to welcome Dr. Raina Murnak on a Break the Business. Hello, Raina. Hello. Oh, my God. I'm so happy to be here. Happy to have you here. It's been a little bit of an evening. We we got a little derailed in the first segment because uh, every co-host showed up and uh, inexplicably wished me a happy birthday. And uh, despite me saying it shouldn't mean very much, uh, I have very dear friends who have it means a lot to them. And uh, so now I got a smile on my face, which has only gotten bigger now that we're getting to chat with you. Uh such a fan of your work, Reina, whether it's on the academic side, whether it's as a performer. I do want to talk about this academic side of the ledger because we don't get too many doctors around here. Um, and mainly because, and I know this as a as a uh, as the spouse of a PhD, getting a doctorate's really hard. It is it's difficult. And so I'm quite curious as as somebody who is an accomplished singer who sings professionally, who's, you know, you know, entertained audiences the world over, what motivates you to go, you know what I need to do? Write a dissertation. I, I need to do a what crap a ton of research and, and like make that part of my life. What, what drove you to the uh, academic side of music? Okay. Well, wait, 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 what, wait, wait, what, what? <laughs> Happy birthday to oh. you. Happy birthday to you. Thank you for having me on your birthday. Happy birthday to you. And it's copyright free now. That's absolutely <laughs> right. Thank you for okay, the sorry. beautiful song and the adorable Beanie Babies. Thank you. Now I can relax. Okay. So um, what drove me to academics? Certainly not that, but um, I do bring that into academics. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's funny. Music is such a weird path. And back in my day, when I was studying music, you could only really study classical music. So that's what I did. Like in high school, I was in 
the play and chorus. I loved music and it's, and like all this love for music and the kind of music I love. And I'm, I was like, you know, I mean, I loved all types of music and I was a huge Depeche Mode fan and like loving music. So I want to go do music. And then what you had to do at that time, it's like, okay, now put on your aria and like pretend that you've been singing classical your whole life and you know what you're doing. And I was like, uh, okay. Like, so I was led into the, you know, the, the path, the beginning path of academia for music at that time, really just classical. Cause I didn't know how anybody learned about jazz without having like cool parents with like long cigarettes. Like, I don't know who those people were or how like children knew jazz, but my parents were certainly not playing jazz. Like, so they were playing a lot of other things. Like my mom was huge into R and B. And so I grew up with like Tina Turner and like, <laughs> like a, a ton of influences like that. But I ended up in school and I was so lost actually as to like, what am I going to do with this? Now at the same time, I was thrilled to learn so much about music because I had really never studied music. I never had lessons before college. So it was all new and like exciting and it was learning and, um, but the further down that path I got, I realized like, well, now what? Like, <laughs> I, and remember, I this is not, um, not, I'm not songwriting at this point. I'm not doing anything like that. And and even though like, like the young me probably envisioned herself becoming a pop star, now I'm studying like Mozart and like, now what? <laughs> so like, it was confusing and I had, um, a best friend at the time who's still my best friend. I shouldn't say at the time, it just sounds like it expired, but like, you know, he's still around. His name's Marty. And he happened to be a year older than me. And I legitimately just did anything he did. So he applied for his master's and I'm like, I guess people do that. So I did it and he studied composition. And I was like, I guess that's what you do. So I did it. And then he applied for his doctorate. And I hate to say, I just did what Marty did. Like, this is this is not some, like, I found myself. Like, I literally sheeped my way into academia. And then thought, Marty's got to okay, be like, quit copying me. I know, right? And he is also has a birthday a week away from mine. So we celebrate Eek Week, where we're the same age for a week. And, I'm, of course, I copy him. And then I turn his age. It just never ends, right? <laughs> <laughs> so... So then there I was, and I was still like literally having the same thought in my head. Like I'm studying um, doctoral classical composition and vocal pedagogy. Now what? Because I really felt a little lost. I didn't really want, I didn't know what, I truly didn't. But I did know one thing during my master's and my doctorate, I was a TA and I enjoyed teaching so much. And I, at that minute, like of the beginning of my master's, I said, you know what? I feel like I want to teach college and I'm teaching college. So I envisioned myself working, but going to school for free, if that makes any sense. Cause, Oh, because I went to school for free. Cause I had scholarships. Cause this is a little known thing that people should know. Most music schools, you can go to upper level school for free. If you're a TA, you get a stipend and you get a tuition waiver. Um, if you're lucky, you know, so I really felt very blessed that I was like lost, but doing something I loved and also getting higher level degrees so that by the time I was through that, 
I was so settled, like so happy about being a teacher. And I knew that that was one of the things I wanted to do in my life. And I do a lot of other things. So that like fell into place. But Ryan, there was no, there's no wise answer for that. Like, had Marty been a plumber, I would be (laughs) under a toilet right now. Like, I really, there's nothing, you know, it's all Marty. Well, you're doing a lot with that, Doctor, because you're in the midst of some pretty cool research right now that I do want to talk about. But I also want to give a little bit of attention to just the work you do as a singer. I know that Zach has spent the time just researching your bio as a performer and just sort of really becoming quite impressed and falling in love with what you're doing on the creative side. Uh, Do you want to chat with her a bit about that, Zach, before we get into the boring research stuff? Yeah, yeah. So upper-level study of Mozart. How did you get from that to, um, you know, the next soon? Oh, my God. Okay, so the next soon was, like, my COVID project. Like, I taught – well, I had a student named Daniel Lumparitas who's super talented, and um, we swapped out lessons in his, like, junior year. He taught me how to produce and I taught him how to sing. <laughs> so uh, just from that very like short semester of, of instruction, I learned so much and it, it opened my mind to what I could do. So mm-hmm. when COVID hit, I was already kind of working on stuff like that. And it's funny, like if I sit down at a piano, I write very, very theatrical or singer songwritery stuff, but I wanted to go about that straight up from production. Mm-hmm. So like all of the stuff I learned as a composer, um, it's sort of the way I take in the whole breath of, of what a music thing feels like, like the feeling of it, the movement of it, the textures of it. So I do think very compositionally, even when I'm producing space pop, which I'm super stealing from you, Zach, like, Thank you. Like what space do. pop. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. And I just like, I don't know, like space has always been interesting to me. And I, I realized that I had written like only things about space for like a, quite some time. And I'm like, this is weird. Maybe I should just do something with that. So I don't know, all the skills in music kind of like feed each other. Eventually you just don't see it when it's happening, how it's going to come out. Love it. And your it's latest a cool project, record, y'all. Check it out. Yeah. Thank very, you. Absolutely. But she's doing a lot of cool stuff. And um, with, <laughs> she's got this record, and you also have a book that you're working on right now. Yes, You're I co-writing do. it. It's about uh, positive psychology as it pertains to music professionals. And I'd, I'd love yeah. for you just to kind of, you know, give us, a, you know, a, a quick understanding of it. First of all, for the uninitiated like me who, uh, you know, never took psychology in college and regrets it because I would love to be able to diagnose all my friends all the time. What is positive psychology and what inspired you to research this area specifically as it pertains to musicians? So positive psychology is the opposite of diagnostic psychology that goes after what's wrong with you. So it was a whole movement in psychology um, because basically psychology was meant to um, lessen suffering And that just sounds like crap, you know, like that just like, okay, like I'm less miserable or less in pain or less this or that. And there was not that other swing of the pendulum to take people to really higher levels and um, like think about it, not as solving a dis-ease, but to bring the 
Um, how can we proactively make your life better? How can, how can we focus on some things that are strong? Um, and that's actually the specific area that I'm doing is character strengths. So character strengths, um, it was a study by Martin Seligman and Christopher Peterson on, um, and it was a long study and it was many social scientists and religious leaders and they researched, and this blows my mind, it was across all time, all cultures, everything ever written. And they mined 24 universal virtues or character strengths that people have spoken about as, um, and, and there, th there are things that are like a little strange, like uh, bravery, appreciation of beauty and excellence, um, teamwork, kindness, um, you know, love of learning. So like things that like, we don't necessarily think of that. And sometimes if we possess them, we don't even see them as strengths. It's just so natural to us. So I ended up teaching voice to this brilliant therapist and she has a million other letters attached to her name, um, Nancy Kirstner. She was actually getting certified in positive psychology and her homework um, and by the way, she was doing this for her 70th birthday. So badass right there, right? Like, right. So her homework was to do things that she did as a child that made her happy, that she since let go. So she enrolled in dance class and voice lessons. So that's how I met her. She started telling me all about this. And it so felt right to me as a teacher and as somebody who's, who works with the voice, which is probably the most intimate instrument anybody, you know, it's your voice, you know, it's your body, you know. Um, and in our conversations, in our work together over years, we just started postulating, what if we did this? And she would say, you know, you're already doing this. It's just called this. So I learned so, I learned it all from her. And then we did a pilot study and we worked with musicians. I worked with some of the strengths in class and, and actually I have to say selfishly, like it was my own reaction to learning this about myself that so helped me in a time of creative drought that I realized, Oh my God, if this does this for me, I can't imagine what it would do for other people. And then I started going away from just musicians and working with people in the music business who were also maybe at a crossroad or dealing with something difficult and just them kind of hearing and really like doing these little interventions with Nancy about their strengths. And they realized they were, wow, those things that I bring to my job, like I, I need to celebrate them more. They are what make me do my job in the unique way I do my job. Uh, so that's pretty much that. And I interviewed Ryan for this book, which is super exciting. And like no surprises on what his strengths were. Do you mind if I share with your fans across the world what your top five strengths are? Sure. You, you can definitely share what the data suggests my strengths are. I will share what the data suggests. Now, yeah. funny enough, I interviewed him and I said, this guy's going to be, he's an attorney. He's going to fall under the strand, the category of justice, right? Justice. But what I'm finding is everybody I think I'm putting in a category, actually, they're so well-rounded. And the reason I think that they're successful is because they bring so many unexpected things to the, to the job that they do. If I read 
a, a job posting for an attorney, right? Like it would have so many of the, the justice, fairness, leadership, teamwork. Those are the three justice strengths. His were honesty, judgment, perspective, love, and of course, humor. So <laughs> the way that Ryan does his job, yeah, the, the job description is super justice, but the perspective, the love, the humor, um, and of course, the honesty and the judgment, which come from honesty comes from courage. Um, you know, uh, there's a lot of wisdom strengths that he has. Um, and it just is so interesting for me to like see the real version of people. And I think that, you know, like, I am sure Ryan, you've probably gotten in trouble in your life for being funny, like in the class or whatever, like, but it serves you in so many ways in the way you do what you do. And then same with me, uh, humor is up there, you know, like, and I couldn't teach dry, like that's not me. I couldn't do it. Um, if I couldn't be funny in my job, I would, I couldn't do it. And I'm sure you might feel the same way. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, I try to, I, I try to live my life in a way where, you know, I don't take things too seriously when I can, like there's so many things in this world to be serious about that when you can inject a little bit of levity, including in something like a high stress legal negotiation, like you sprinkle yeah. a joke in there, it, it kind of makes the deal happen a little more easily. Now, anything I can do to take this away from me, I would be happy right. to do. So I want to ask you about the why. So what what is the goal about studying this group? What are you trying to make happen with musicians? What is it about identifying the strength of musicians and folks that work in the music business that could improve the lives of people in this industry? Oh, my God. There, there are so many answers to that, and there are so many categories of answers. I think for creators... Um, it is, it has become such an assimilative industry where people believe, and sometimes rightly so, that they have to be exactly like everybody else who's already displaying success to start to get attention on them so that one day they can earn the right to do it their way. So that is, and, and it's super destructive to a person's soul. And I work with young people and I, we have therapy sessions basically during classes and lessons. And, and they tell me all of this. They're, they are so stuck with, um, you know, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to make it? And, and I should be more like this and I should be more like this. They are losing themselves because they're so looking outward. This book is a chance for people to first take a minute on yourself, figure out, you know, take the survey. It takes like 10 minutes. See what your strengths are see how they show up for you, realize, wow, I, you know, I, I didn't even realize that that was my, one of my strengths, you know? Um, but yeah, it is. And it's really important to me. And it becomes sort of this bolstering of confidence for their creative endeavors. It like reminds them like, wow, that is, you know, like I've had students who have had gratitude as their, like one of their top strengths and they this one particular suffered from crippling anxiety just seeing that she had gratitude up there she was able she said you know what like my parents were poor i have no idea how i made it to this level and, and got this education 
every time I go on that stage, I'm going to be thankful. That's the only thing I'm going to think about. I don't even know how I'm here. So like, this is my new thing. And it truly got her through performance anxiety issues. And I, I mean, I have hundreds of stories of once you show people, you know what, you're good enough. You are perfect exactly as you are. You can learn all the skills you want, but there's, there's a core to you that's never going to change really that much. You might as well start celebrating and loving yourself. And let's see how that affects your artistry. If you're really working from a place of confidence, you're creating differently and you're stepping out differently. And in the business too, I feel that people feel, especially there's this myth of linearity in business. I did this and that means I have to climb and do this, but this might not make you happy. Maybe you need to go somewhere else. Maybe you need to take another path. Uh, and that's okay too. Maybe that's more core to who you are as a, your spirituality, you know? So my hope is that people read this, they really take a grand pride in exactly who they are, who they were born, and they start playing with how they could celebrate that more in what they do. Zach, I love this. Um, from from what I'm understanding uh, Raina's saying here is, the mere act of engaging in an exploration of what your strengths are, whether it's through the tools that that Raina uses with her colleague in this book or other kind of strength finding uh, instruments that are out there, like Gallup has a really good one called Strengths Finder that a lot of Fortune 500 companies use. That mere act of exploration and just allowing you to discover what your strengths are has just innumerable positive psychological benefits. It it makes you a better creator. It can just make you feel better about the world. It can help you confront and address past trauma. That sounds like a lot of benefit for not a lot of psychological lifting on the part of the person involved. That's great. You know, what strikes me is that, like, when you're talking, Rena, about therapy sessions, right? I mean, these these are tactics that I would assume, and I, I mean, from talking to therapists and social workers and things, I know that are applicable across a wide, a wide spectrum of people, right? Like, it sounds like what you're talking yeah. about isn't just specifically for musicians. Anybody can probably benefit from this. Am I, am I hearing that right? You're absolutely right. Like, my hope, um, obviously, I come from the music side, and my partner is the true psychologist. But my love for making people proud of exactly who they are, first of all, it was, weirdly enough, I knew that was always my life mission. And I'm talking about from like birth, weirdly enough. Cause I remember, like, I remember I'm one of those weird people who remembers like early, early memories. And I remember just thinking if I could only show people that they are exact, they're good. They're good enough. They're exactly who they should be. So all these millions of years and like stone ages later that I'm working on a book that's specifically doing this it's so gratifying, but I always have in my mind that I want to take this to all populations. You know where it really could benefit? The workplace, any workplace, working with a team of people. When you see, like when I learned people that I worked with, I make them take the thing too because I want to see. And then I realize, oh, that's your strength? Great, I hate doing that. Take it. And it makes <laughs> everything so much better. And, and, you know, and then also another application, and this is for my research partner, Nancy, holy couples therapy she does with this. 
And she said that this has been like the number one tool that has gotten people to understand their partner. The thing that annoys you the most about your partner, when you see it pop into their first thing and you realize it's your 24th, it's not important to you. It's actually important to them. It's like core to their being. It creates such a space to let the other person to celebrate that about the person. So Zach, you're super right. It's like, it's really applicable. And you're right, Ryan, there are many tools, different strengths, just the act of looking at yourself from a different lens and just, you know, sharing it, actually, I think it's powerful to like, talk to people about it, because it's fun. It's also a bonding activity when you meet someone with your top strength. Absolutely. Now, Raina, we are running close to the end of the show yeah. here in terms of radio, but um, real quick, and I know this is like the worst person, worst question to ask anybody who's writing a book. When I was writing a book, I hated having to answer this. Do you have any idea of a target date of when we might be able to read this thing? Because I'm excited. I to sure read. do. I sure do, because my publisher wants me to hand it in in January. So guess what I'll be doing every minute that I'm not doing this. <laughs> so I, so probably like April is when it's officially due to the publisher. So I would think probably by the end of 2023, but I would absolutely, I will let you know, first of all, I'm interviewing you in it. So it's going to be really fun. And I will send you a personal copy of this book. Um, and I'm excited to, for it to come out too. Oh, bless you. That's fantastic. Thank you so much. Now, before we let you go, one last question. Do you have any last tips for the indie creators out there to help them move their careers forward? Yeah, I do. I, I, I think what I'm going to do is go from the inside. I think that as indie creators, it is so easy to get frustrated, to feel like you work for platforms and you're not getting paid, uh, to feel all of these things, I think, and I had this conversation with some students today, we worry too much about the streaming world and we ignore the human world that's around us. I had a student in my lesson who was talking about TikTok and this and that. And I said, you have a class of like 400 kids, right? Have you ever thought about, and they're not musicians, standing up and making an announcement and saying, hey guys, I just released a song and it would be amazing if you guys want to check it out. You would get immediately probably 400 followers. And I feel like young people especially walk around and they ignore their human resources. There's so many creative ways that we could be taking advantage of that. And I think, I think going from the inside of who you are, why you're doing it, what you want, and go outside of the box. I, I mean, like left of center, because we can still do the same things online. We could do all that. Um, but try some other things and delegate those tasks to maybe more business-minded friends who are an ally and a, a supporter of your music. And they like doing those things. Many times creators feel so drained by the constant content creation and, you know, delegate it out, hire someone, pay someone, treat yourself like a business and really do it from the innermost place and follow what, who you really are. Don't try to copy people. Try to be yourself because you are the only person like you. That excellent advice has come from our guest this week, Dr. Raina Murnack from the University of Miami. You can find out more about her work by visiting www.RainaMurnack.com. Our sincere thanks to you for joining us this week. It has been a pleasure hearing from you. Our thanks to Zach Sloan as well. Our thanks to Katie and Elisa Rockdock for joining us inexplicably. 
Thanks to producer Lauren for executing a rather <laughs> impressive birthday caper with all these people involved. Uh, I sincerely appreciate that. And my thanks to all of you, you viewers and listeners for being so wonderful and checking us out. Thank you for watching and listening to break the business. We'll see you next week.